I am Mohammed Yunus. I'm from Bangladesh. I'm the founder of Grameen Bank. Mohammed Yunus is the economist who won the Nobel Peace Prize for alleviating global poverty. Now he's helping to steer our way through COVID-19. He wants us to turn our backs on the world we once knew, to champion a safer future, and to consign to history the challenges that bar us from reaching it. I'm James Chow, and welcome to this special conversation. Mohammed Yunus, welcome back to the China Current. The last time we spoke on camera was in London in October, when you were sad, perhaps even a little bit angry about the state of the world and what we have all done to contribute towards its decline. Now that we have COVID nineteen, is there anything to look forward to? Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, first of all, uh, I'm not the only one who was angry. The whole world was upset, angry. You describe it any way you like, because we're in a disaster path. It's very obvious. Uh, you admitted uh, publicly. You admitted privately, but everybody knew that this is what is happening. Our climate warming is a disaster. It's uh, we don't have much time to survive. Uh, planet will be unlivable. Everybody agreed to that. Uh, young uh, teenagers were demonstrating on the street. Uh, Fridays for Future and all kinds of things happening. Uh, so that's uh, on the climate change situation, where we are saying that we have only a couple of uh, decades to go, maybe three decades to go, and that's it. We're done. Uh, and I was saying this is a, a decade of the last chance, unless we are bold, we are terribly uh, aggressive way to solve it. Uh, we have no chance. Uh, future decades will not bring us any results. This is the decade that we can bring the results. So we are seeing a deadline, what's happening. And the wealth concentration, very ugly wealth concentration. And that is also part of the world that we uh, were in uh, pre-corona time. And also the artificial intelligence, which will bring massive unemployment. And it's gradually creeping in and it will become a big upsurge of unemployment. And this uh, all is a disaster part. They all combine and we see no results uh, other than what we uh, see in front of us. Uh, it's a tipping point that uh, we never can overcome. So the coronavirus came at a time when we ourselves was worrying about the end of the world. Now that gives a tremendous opportunity because the whole global order has collapsed. Economy is in the uh, part of total collapse. So when it collapses, it gives you a new opportunity to build it again. So it's not about restarting the engine that is stopped because of the coronavirus. We don't want to start that engine. So that's a message that I try to bring in. I said, this is a good opportunity, fantastic opportunity. Let's not start the engine. Let's make it build a new engine which will take us to a different path. And that's the direction we should go and forget about the old way of doing things. That's my uh, feeling right now. And I will try to communicate to everybody to uh, um, make up the mind that we don't want to go back. No going back. Well, I can hear the birds singing outside your window. That's right. Joining us. It's lovely, isn't it? It's a sign (laughs) of life and nature and our natural world. You're speaking to us from your home where you also work in Dhaka in Bangladesh. And where you are in Dhaka, you live alongside the four million 
workers in the garment industry who make the clothes that we wear, who make the clothes that we enjoy? What's their fate going forward now that we're hit by this pandemic? Well, that's terrible because uh, garment factories to begin with were also locked down to stop and work. Now government is opening it up because of the uh, fact that they need livelihood. So we go back to the issue of uh, life versus livelihood. And uh, if you don't work, you don't have an income, you have a terrible uh, situation of surviving. So it is about 4 million garment workers, which is a very significant number. But if you take all the people who lost their daily income, uh, either through losing their daily uh, breadwinning activities, uh, petty tradings and so on and so forth, or losing daily wage earning and so on, that would be more than 60 million people. So it's a government I don't see as a separate thing. It is a part of those same people who are losing uh, their livelihood. So what happens when you have a conflict <clears throat> between life and livelihood and which side you go? Uh, see, life has no option. Uh, it has to be safe. This is a prime, primacy of the issue. Uh, livelihood has options. What are the options? We can open the garment industry. They can go back, risk their life, and risk other people's life, their family members, their neighbors, and everybody's life. Uh, and if, if your garment industry opens up, other industries, why aren't you opening up? Uh, and businesses say, why aren't you opening up? Religious institutions say, why don't you want to open it up? You open the door of Pandora's box because you open something. I, I said, um, livelihood has option. Garment industry has option. Garment industry is an industry. Why can't the owners of this industry, government, and the global industry get together, create a fund, a support fund for garment workers? So until the business can go back, the industry can go back, uh, they support it, give them a survival salary, survival wage for them, so that they can take so that you don't open up the whole subject in a way as if there's no option, except for opening the thing. Uh, the amount that you'll be spending on this uh, six months or so, whatever time period you need to have them uh, before opening it up, uh, it, will, it will be worthwhile. So why don't we do that? And this is what we do in any kind of catastrophe. Uh, when everything happens, uh, a disaster happens, government comes up with bailout packages, uh, supporting people who lost their jobs, lost their income, give them income, uh, either financing them uh, through financial system or financing them through uh, uh, remitting money so that they can take care of themselves or provide food packages, ration cards. So, so many options. So I would say we should see it in that context. It is the responsibility of an industry. Others don't have an industry. They are little petty traders and so on. They are the lucky ones that 4 million workers can be supported. In your opinion piece published by China US Focus and Think Hong Kong, you talk about how our response must now be characterized by a social consciousness. Very briefly, how could that work in reality? Uh, well, first of all, the whole crisis that we are facing pre-corona is because of the way we conceptualize business. Business has become a very selfish activity. You do it to maximize your profit. So it's, it's all about yourself. So you forgot the collective responsibility in business. So when we say social consciousness, we are trying to bring that consciousness back there 
collective consciousness that we have to be responsible not to ourselves just to make money or respond has to be responsible to the broader society to the planet to the other life forms that who live in this planet and we have responsibility to do that so that aspect has to be integrated we don't want to go back to the other one so we need to bring this in uh, should fossil fuel industry be continuing is it socially uh, right thing to do should plastic industry be continuing is it the right thing to do we have to raise this question and these are very clear cut there are many very uh, kind of uh, cloudy thing that you don't see right away but there are aspects of it which we can do that so instead of being just person direction profit maximizing businesses can we create which is a responsibility to not only to yourself also to the broader society that's the like social consciousness driven uh, businesses we are talking about in this context this is a good time to reconceptualize the whole concept of business itself you won the nobel peace prize as the founder of the grameen bank and grameen now is at the heart of a very big and diverse ecosystem one of them grameen fabrics and fashion has been repurposing its factories to produce surgical masks have the other grameen businesses also stepped in to contribute to the response we try to bring all our uh, businesses these are all social businesses uh, to get active in addressing the corona crisis so everybody is contributing in their own ways like we have a healthcare program a traditional healthcare program as a social business then we now reconceptualize it how to make it available to the people to protect their life from corona so we have uh, from digital health as a social business company uh, we provide free uh, symptom checker so you can go into the website you can fill up your uh, uh, answer some of the questions then you'll tell you whether you are at a high risk medium risk low risk and so on depending on the answers that we have given so people can go and check up as many times as you wish and wherever you are doesn't matter it doesn't cost you anything uh, and in the meantime we also can do the mapping where we see high risk people are there which directions is happening where is increasing where is decreasing and so on this is one and then we have the free corona insurance uh, if you register yourself in that is free if you register yourself if you have uh, contacted uh, the infected corona uh, and hospitalized all the hospital cost is borne by the insurance company uh, in case of unfortunate uh, situation of death family receipts of money because of the life insurance coverage which goes into it is free is free to the people who are registering it but it's not free for the company so somebody has to pay for it so our social business are pay, paying for it so that they can make sure that people can do that comfortably without worrying about what is coming to happen and a free uh, doctor consultation online so you can call up doctors we have a whole slew of doctors waiting in the booths uh, to answer your question 24 hours a day 7 days a week uh, you ask a question corona related non corona your worries your children your family whatever so people feel comfortable that yes i have some answer and if you say where do i go they will tell you. who do i see they will tell you what is so that you have somebody to make a phone call so this is just one example of healthcare then we provide as you said about the mask about the ppe personal protective gears for the doctors because hospitals don't have the ppe somehow we are not prepared for this so we are producing ppe and uh, these garments and so on to uh, giving it to the hospitals and so on and we produce millions of masks so that every individual can have a mask 
and to people who cannot afford to pay, people who are not very difficult to collect it. So we make it available to our entire national network. Uh, people have to have, can have uh, free uh, masks for themselves and so on. So this is what we are doing and free uh, distribution of food. A massive number of uh, families are re registered with us and we provide food to all organizations, not just one organization. Every organization we have, they have to provide food in their neighborhood and they have to have a list of people. They have take, undertaken the responsibility to continue for the whole period, not just one meal. So these are big responsibilities, but we are very happy that uh, we can do that. The beauty and the value of social business is it's not just an effective intervention during crises. It's an effective intervention in life with or without a pandemic. But this pandemic clearly is touching every country, almost every individual in the world today. Um, when we look at it, more widely, the global south is going to be hit the hardest. And we also know that COVID-19 is going to worsen hunger, poverty, education. How do we ensure that while we deal with a health pandemic, we also deal with these other emergencies that are re-emerging? It will re-emerge if you keep the engine running, if you restart the engine and make it happen. It's because engine created all those, the list that you gave, the, the hunger, poverty and all the health risks and everything. So we have to redesign the new engine. In the meantime, before we go back and start the engine, so the new engine that will start. And I've been talking about uh, from the past, saying we should put poverty in the museum. It's a doable thing. It's not something yeah. funny. It's a real thing. All we have to do is to redesign the engine so that it can happen. The basic culprit or the main thing that which uh, starts the whole process of uh, poverty, hunger, and also uh, the other aspects of it, wealth concentration, is the financial system. Financial system is something uh, which is designed absolutely wrong way. Uh, it denies access to the services to more than half the population of the entire world. What kind of system is that? And we carry on as if nothing has happened, everything is happened. And we have demonstrated that's why microfinance government bank in know that it can be done. There's nothing funny about it. It can be done as a business and it can be reached to anybody. They're as responsible as anybody else. And their record is better than uh, rich people's uh, record. But still financial system doesn't open the door. So we start with the financial system, create a new system out of it. And then we create all those hunger, poverty that we're talking about. All this has to go. This is not something that we can carry on. So this is not a piecemeal thing. We are talking about wealth concentration has to go. It's not poverty, wealth concentration. If the wealth goes in one direction, other side becomes poor. So this is, and this is a, a tremendous tidal wave which goes into, uh, into few hands, a tidal wave of money, this uh, wealth and so on. So what happens? Financial institution facilitates it and they are the vehicle to Hujin. How it is done? Because it's designed that way. Why was it designed that way? Because it's comfortable for them. Yeah. And others are not making any noise about it. And they created the whole concept of jobs. You have to work for them. And they become a kind of a, a people who are sub, uh, facilitating people to get rich by working for them. Uh, they are mercenaries. So I said, why do we have people have to be mercenaries? They can do their own thing. They can be uh, entrepreneurs instead of working for somebody to make them rich. And human beings are naturally entrepreneurs. So you ask those questions and redesign it. This is an opportunity to redesign all those concepts and make a new engine to work. And then in that world, 
the climate will not be challenged, the people will not be challenged, hunger, poverty will not be there. It will be a world of, as I say, three zeros, zero poverty, zero wealth concentration, and zero unemployment. Well, I'm smiling. First of all, that's the beautiful book that you wrote, which is a textbook for how to solve the world's social ills, not just for one, but for everybody together. And I'm also smiling because I've heard you say this. I heard this when you said this at Bangkok at your social business summit in 2019. Poverty belongs in a museum. And I think, Professor Yunus, when that day arrives, we'll all be buying tickets to see that museum, we'll all be looking through the glass case and looking at what poverty used to be like for us all. Professor Yunus, I want to ask you about this because this year is a big year for you. I know that you never talk about your birthday, but this will be your 80th year. If we use that as a milestone for your life, how you've chosen to use your life, you've invested all those years in helping to secure a safer, happier tomorrow's world. If we look at today's world though, and we look at our young people, how can they look forward to tomorrow when they're trying to meet the needs of today? I try to explain to young people uh, that you must feel that uh, you have unlimited capacity inside inside of yourself. And feel that capacity, feel that creative power that you have. Once you can start feeling that, yes, I have that capacity, then ask the question, what use I'm going to make of it? Because if I don't use it, it's just wasted away. I said, today you are born as not only as a human being, you are really a superhuman being because of the capacity, the technology, and all the knowledge brings it to you. You alone is good enough to change the whole world. You don't have to wait for anybody else. You have that power, but nobody's telling you. Please be aware that you have the power and unleash the power. It's the power of individual. It's the power of imagination what makes the change of the entire world. So this is the message I carry to them. I said, don't worry about your degrees and so on. This can come along the way. But feel that you are a human being with unlimited capacity. And you alone can make things happen. And everything starts small. Don't worry about doing big things on the first day. Start tiny little thing that you hate to see in front of you. Change it. If you can change that one little thing, you can change the whole world because it's just it's just a repetition of what you did the first time. I couldn't think of a better way to finish our conversation today than by going back to your words, you are a human being with unlimited capacity. Muhammad Yunus, you enlighten the world, you elevate us, and you push us to go beyond our front lines. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, James. Good to see you. The China Current continues its special coverage on the coronavirus outbreak. Go to our social media, at The China Current, and our website for interviews, videos, and podcasts. I'm James Chow. Thank you.